getting set for Europe's general data protection regulation. Coming up in this special ISMG security report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. Today's ISMG security report will focus on the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation. GDPR, as it's known, takes effect in just over six months, on the 25th of May. Simply, the regulation harmonizes data protection regulations through the European Union. GDPR also extends the EU data protection law to all companies, regardless of where they're based, that process data of EU residents. That means companies even in North America, Asia, Africa, and elsewhere need to comply with the law if they maintain and process data of EU citizens. Also, GDPR would apply to British companies after the United Kingdom leaves the EU under Brexit. GDPR requires companies to report breaches within 72 hours of becoming aware of them. Failure to do so could subject violators with hefty fines, up to 20 million euros or 4% of the company's annual worldwide turnover, whichever is greater. One of GDPR's most controversial provisions is the one dealing with the right to be forgotten. That provision allows individual EU citizens to petition a company to have personal data about them purged from the organization's database. What follows are highlights from the panel discussion of GDPR held at the recent ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in London. Panelists include the International Director of the PCI Security Standards Council, Jeremy King, the Chief Information Security Officer for the Paris-based advertising and public relations company, Publicist Group, Tom Langford, and Polly Rao. She's a barrister and solicitor and serves as Senior Manager for Cybersecurity and Data Protection for the business advisory company PricewaterhouseCoopers. Here's Matthew Schwartz. Matt is Executive Editor of Data Breach Today and ISMG Europe and moderated the discussion. What are some of the nuances about how GDPR is going to make the right to be forgotten different for organizations? Polly Rao. Right to be forgotten, it got a lot of press in the draft because it was this kind of scary concept that individuals could compel you to delete data from your systems. It's not an absolute right, it doesn't apply across all of the data that you'll be processing, and in fact, you could refuse a request if you needed to keep the data for tax purposes, operational purposes, or you had some other competing requirement to keep it. That said, if you've got no reason to keep the data and the individuals requested that you delete it, the regulator would expect you to have at least worked out how you might do that from a functional perspective. The point that's really important here is that you could create beautiful policies and processes and in fact you could lock someone in a dark room and get them to do that. It would probably take about a week to get your GDPR policies and I've done that to my team. Ralph's co-presenters see a right to be forgotten as a major headache for organizations to implement. Here's Publicist Group's Tom Langford. From our industry, I think it's potentially a real blow to marketeers. They rely on much of this data in order to do their jobs, to sell stuff and to target people, etc. We all, we all know we've been on a website one day and then we're browsing another website and there's the thing we were looking at in one of the sidebars. It's quite freaky when you first see it. But an entire company's sort of marketing database could essentially be routed and, that, and would have to start again under a completely different set of rules of engagement as a result of this. Within our industry, it is going to be a very big deal. PCI Security Standards Council's Jeremy King. There's two aspects within the GDPR about this, and, and certainly the right to be forgotten is one. If you want to undertake a legitimate legal DDoS attack, 
you get as many customers as you can to send in a data request notification to you. I will shut you down because you have got a limited amount of time, probably about a month, to find all the information you have on a person. And if you've got massive databases, which we all have, that is massive. You can't charge for it. It's a free legal DDoS attack. The other side of it is the consent side. That is one of the big changes when we come back to what you were saying, absolutely, in terms of taking out your marketing teams and your marketing information. You can't now bury consent in page 70 of 120 terms and conditions as per Apple. It's got to be very clear, very explicit about what you're wanting the data for and what you're going to use it for. And if you start wanting to use it for something else, then you've got to change the request. You've got to put a new request in. The two in there that I've seen which worry me a lot, if you've got information on minors, children under the age of 16, you really, really got to be careful how you're managing that data. You really need clear consent about that. If you've got biometric data, the regulation is really clear on this. It basically says no, unless the person has given clear consent. A lot of the new payment techniques around thumbprints, and this is going to be an interesting discussion of when is electronic data, biometric data, vice versa. When is, you know, if I capture someone's face and digitize it, when does it stop being biometric data? So there's going to be some interesting cases. So around that along with the right to be forgotten in terms of how on earth do you actually remove someone's data when you back up, back up, back up. And I know one of the things that Microsoft learned from blue screens of death was we'll back up quietly in the background. And the number of times you get back on after a blue screen of death, oh, thank goodness it backed it up. Well, he's done that with all your customer data. So getting rid of it is a nightmare, absolute nightmare. We'll hear more from our panelists in a moment as they address when and when not non-EU companies must comply with GDPR. And as you'll hear, situations exist when non-EU entities with European customers might get away without complying with the new rules. A regulator is going to go for a company that has no dealings in Europe apart from it's got European data? Don't know. Probably not because it's a hard target to get. This is the ISMG Security Report. ISMG's Healthcare Security Summit will take place November 14th and 15th in New York City. Keynote address will be provided by Jim Ralph, Chief Security Officer, Aetna Global Security, followed by other industry-leading CISOs from organizations like Blue Cross Blue Shield, New York Presbyterian, Hospital for Special Surgery, and more. Visit events.ismg.io and register today. We're back with excerpts from a panel on the forthcoming European Union's General Data Protection Regulations held last month at the ISMG Fraud and Breach Protection Summit in London. Legally, all companies with European Union customer data will have to comply with GDPR when it takes effect next May. But will the new regs be enforced on non-EU companies, especially those that don't have direct ties to Europe? Here's PCI Security Standards Council's Jeremy King. I'm working with a lot of companies in the US. Take, for example, an airline. Airlines that fly a lot of people into Europe are doing a lot of work on GDPR because they're very, very concerned because GDPR applies to European citizens' data, full stop, wherever it is in the world. If you're an American company, if you're a Japanese company, if you're an Australian company, anywhere in the world that you have European data, GDPR applies to you if you lose that data. If you were like, let's say, for example, I don't know, Alaskan Airways fly between you know, Alaska and North America, they never come to Europe, but they fly a lot of European citizens. Should they be worried about GDPR? Yes. Is there a regulator who's going to go for a company that has no dealings in Europe, apart from it's got European data? Don't know. 
Probably not, because it's a hard target to get, but it's, it applies. Absolutely applies. Caveat that, I'm not a lawyer, because the lawyer really wants to say something right I'll now. I'll let the lawyer say something. <laughs> I, absolutely. J Jeremy, that's, that's totally right. And, you know, some of our first movers with big GDPR projects were um, US or APAC companies who, who were quicker than our European clients to get going on GDPR. But the idea is, of course, that, you know, if you're established in Europe, the GDPR applies to you as a business. If you're not established in Europe, so you've, you've, you've only got your, your operations outside of Europe, but you're directing goods and services to individuals in Europe, or you're monitoring them in any way, including online tracking and monitoring, GDPR applies to you. Now again, there's some proportionality around that. If I've got a website um, out of Singapore selling uh, shoes, um, and it's just accessible in Germany, might not apply to me. But if you can pay in euros or there's a German language version of my website, absolutely applicable to me. But what I would say is that many of our clients are saying, okay, GDPR applies to some parts of our business, particularly if we're directing into to selling into Europe. Um, but in fact, our data is so commingled that we can't separate that data off from the rest of the business. And in fact, you know what, when we look at privacy laws globally, we can see that um, the Australian privacy law, Canadian privacy laws, they're all evolving to come up to a GDPR standard. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this is going to be our benchmark as, a, as an organisation. So they're taking that stance as a, as a future proof. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The panelists agree that organizations should have started on their compliance with GDPR a year or two ago. Still, for organizations that have yet to progress substantially on compliance, publicist group CISO Tom Langford passes on advice he received from his company's chief privacy officer. To quote the CPO, fake it till you make it. You know, let's get some way down that road, let's make sure we are doing the right thing and making the right moves and the right noises to ensure that when something happens, because it will, guaranteed, when something happens, we're in the best possible position to say, no, this isn't incompetence, this is just bad luck. These are the things we put in place. The other side to it as well is by having thousands and thousands of clients around the world, we are regularly having to meet their requirements. And since their requirements are now in including GDPR, or have done for the last two years, that's actually something that we've been taking account of all the time. So GDPR, ISO 27000, PCI, HIPAA, just SSA 16, blah, blah, blah. All these things get thrown at us all the time. We try and create a, a, a baseline program that addresses as much of that as possible. So this is just another one. To deal with that, yeah. yeah. Do you know, if I may jump in at that point, I think that's an excellent comment. Jeremy King. When you look at how many different types of regulation around data security in different sites, and PCI, as you say, is one, and GDPR is another, and ISO is another, trying to tackle each one individually is the wrong way. Mm. It's, it's all about security. It's all about data security. Have, have a process, have this team that looks at ensuring the security of your organization. Focus on security, look at them all, and then say, right, what have I got to do for make our organization secure? And then you'll find you'll start ticking the boxes of meeting my requirement, the PCI requirement, meeting the requirements of the GDPR. I think, you know, to try and just take it all as individual, you're just going to get yourself and meet yourself coming back the other way. 
Could I be a voice of doom? Yes, please. <laughs> PWC's Polly Ralph. I absolutely agree with what you're saying here, Tom, because you're wanting to get your, your paper shield in place. You're wanting to have something to show a regulator when things go wrong as your, as your first line of defence. And, and when we deal with regulators, particularly here in the UK, when we deal with the data protection regulator, we know that she looks for good, right? She, she looks... Um, for the efforts that organisations have made and we know that she accepts a position sometimes that bad things happen to good organisations and, and, that's, and that's really helpful. But when it comes to litigants, and, and I think that we can't underplay the impact that data protection litigation will have over the coming years, they don't look for good, they look for the one instance of bad or the one instance of weakness. You've been listening to highlights from a panel presentation on the European Union's general data protection regulations that will go into effect next spring, held this past month at the ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in London. And that's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.